Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray that you're going to be blessed by hearing God's word. May you be filled with hope as you believe and trust in Jesus. Sometimes I'll bring in object lessons, very rarely. But today I did, and you might see it to my left there. I'm not going to be able to go play with it quite as bad I planned without my cordless mic. But this is a vintage radio. I don't know if you all see it there. It's like, I'm sure you don't have too many of those in your houses uh, these days. That's from my parents' cottage, but I even think that radio probably even outdates the cottage and... I don't know where it was bought, but I can remember in my childhood, my dad never wanted a TV at the cottage. Like, that was the ultimate no-no. Um, of course, we, grandkids convinced him later, right? What his children couldn't convince him, his grandkids did. And we did get a TV for videos and stuff. But back when I was a child, we just had this radio. And I don't know why this radio... But I always remembered back in the day, it seemed to get the stations pretty good. I don't know how they made it, um, but I can remember sitting by this radio. And of course, if I couldn't watch sports on TV, I wanted to listen. But baseball, because summer was baseball, having that on, sitting on the deck and tuning it, or my dad listening to the news, that old radio. Why did I bring a radio in? Well, I kind of like I like it. But our speech is like a radio in a lot, a lot of ways. You see, a, a radio works by transmitting or receiving electromagnetic waves. Do I know what those are? No. But a radio signal is an electric current moving back and forth very quickly. So a transmitter somewhere radiates this field outward via an antenna. And then a receiver picks up the field and translate it to the sounds you hear. Does that make sense? Somewhere, radio signals are pushing out, and a receiver picks it up, and that box amplifies it so we hear it. So our mouth, our lips, our tongue, yeah, the transmitter is our heart and our mind. Our mouth picks up that signal, gives it volume, right? So what we think or what we feel goes to our mouth, and then it goes out to those around us. Now, this is good theology because we know in Matthew 12, 34, out of our heart, the mouth speaks. Other translations, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, at this point, he was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12. He actually called them a brood of vipers, but he continued in verse 35 of chapter 12. In Matthew, says, A good man, out of good treasure, of his heart will bring forth good things. And an evil man, out of evil treasure, brings forth evil things. In verse 37, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. You see, your words are really, really important. 
If your heart is in the right place, you'll usually speak good things. If your heart is not in a good place, it will not speak good things. But the reality is there's going to be in this life a little bit of judgment to what you say. And you have to be careful to what you're amplifying or what comes out of your mind and your heart. Now, this is where Proverbs becomes really important. Now, remember Proverbs are just these general kind of one-line statements that bounce around, right, to different topics. We've talked about Proverbs before, and we said in the first eight to ten chapters, a father to son, what wisdom is, how you should operate, that it's God's thoughts, right, God's character, he talks about that, but then for the rest of the book of Proverbs, it's like these one-liners, like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> you know, like, and you're like, how does this reflect? You can't really go through the chapter, right, and and find one specific theme, but probably many themes. And so, when you're reading a proverb, all of a sudden there'll be one about your lips and your tongue, and you'll be like, "Wow, yeah, I should think about that." So let's go through some of them and think about them. And it's probably always. Um, well, I don't know, always, but give me the bad news first. How about that? <laughs> uh, you want the bad or good news? We'll start with the negative and the bad news to what our tongue can do. We know and we felt, probably all of us, and caused hurt in people because our language, our tongue, our speech can cut people like a sword. Proverbs 12:13 There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. I think we all can say words really do hurt. The old saying that sticks and stones can hurt my bones but names will never hurt me. That's a lie. And a lot of counseling is going back to what we've heard and believed about ourselves which causes a lot of negative impact on our lives. You see, broken people hurt broken people, and broken people speak really hard words. They cut so deep, and then Satan, well, he jumps on that bandwagon, and he uses those and reminds us of those things in our lives again and again. I have heard testimony and worked with people, for instance, ladies who are much older in age, and I think this was in a curriculum a long time ago, but there was a lady and her husband said, you're beautiful. She said, no, I'm not. And over and over, like way 40s, 50s, you're beautiful, and always no, no, no. And I said, why do you think, think that always? Well, it happened, I don't know when she was, late childhood, pre-teens, but someone told her she was ugly. And it didn't matter how many times someone said she was beautiful, she thought she was ugly. Now, we can work through that with the power of the Holy Spirit, but I only tell you that story to show you that words do stick and they do hurt, and we need to be very careful what we're amplifying out of our mind and heart, knowing the consequences that could come. 
It also says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, harsh words stir up anger. I think every marriage would know this one. Every child-parent relationship at times where frustration comes, we become harsh. And doesn't it just seem to go in a circle then? One harsh word equals another harsh word, and the proverb is true, and it just stirs the pot. Stirs the pot. Well, not only can we hurt people directly, but things like perversity in our speech, lying, gossip, cause tremendous damage. I was struck reading the Proverbs how these sins, these almost secondary sins, not to someone's face, but lying and and gossip, are so in the moment. We think we're saving ourselves or helping ourselves or protecting ourselves, but in the long run, we're just creating tremendous pain for ourselves and for others. Proverbs 21, verse 9. Getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fancy of those who seek death. Is that clear enough? So I can lie in the moment to get something. And, you know, come on, we've all been there, mom and dad. Did you do it? No. I think Amy told me, I was telling her that this morning, she read some kid's book, um, Tyler, Tell the Truth, or something like that, and he had, like, cookie crumbs on his face and icing, and dad's like, did you eat that cookie? No. You know, that's what we are to God, right? Like, we think we're fooling people when we lie. And by the way, lying is like, it almost becomes a disease in our character. But it starts for protection in the moment that we don't think we'll get in trouble. Or as the Proverbs, you know, it's to get this apparent treasure if we just fib a little bit. Maybe I'll get the promotion. Maybe if, you know, you fill in the blank. But it's fleeting. It's for a moment. But in the long term, it only causes the death of relationships. Proverbs 12, 19, speaking to this, saying, A lying tongue is but for a moment. But God would have us to think long term. You know, God loves us. People say, why Why would God say not to lie? Because eventually, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. And God loves you, so he says, don't do that, because I don't want you to get hurt. It's not easy. Well, we know it's not easy. James, (laughs) I learned last weekend... You know, I've read the book of James a lot. And you know where I'm going to go, chapter 3, if you know your Bibles. There's a huge section on the tongue, right, in James chapter 3. But James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. If you follow it, very practical. But very much like if you try and follow James, I heard in a sermon last week, where I was at Caleb's visiting, it's like, bang, one thing, and you're like, how do I connect these things And it's so much like that, and you see a lot about wisdom in the book of James and a lot about speech. And this idea of the power of the tongue to the negative, like, 
he uses these powerful words, right? Like it's, it's small, but it can like light up a whole forest or turn a whole ship or a powerful horse by a little bit in the mouth or a tiny rudder. That's your tongue. But the damage, James says, just like Proverbs would say, is full of deadly poison. A world of iniquity. (laughs) How do you like that this morning? Aren't you glad I'm starting with the bad news? Well, it's not bad news because like that radio, if it amplifies, I've got really good news for you. There's an off button. Right? There's a lower the volume. Like I could turn that thing on. It works pretty good. But I can turn it down so you can't hear it. And through the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives, we have self-control. I see some heads nodding, but I'd like a little more. You have all power to live a godly life. I was read this morning in prayer. I know, oh yeah, yeah, Peter, Peter, he's another practical guy. Your mouth doesn't have to be uncontrolled. You see, the Holy Spirit, and even it says in 1 Corinthians, the prophet has power over his words. Because we have self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've been given a new heart, and we need to represent that new heart and new life with the power of the Holy Spirit at times when our mind is upset, when our heart is hurting, blop, I'm turning it off. Because right now, if I say what I'm thinking, it's deadly poison. Listen to me. You've all heard it, but we need to live it. We do far too much talking about other people, far too much gossiping, far too much cutting, far too much negative talking, and sometimes excusing it by saying, I'm justified. We are never justified to cut another person down. Marriages, you are never justified to cut down your partner in your pain. It only makes it worse. Hello! (laughs) I'm preaching to myself, okay? But the good news, starting, is we've been given the fruit of the Spirit who lives within us. And one of those self-control and patience and love and joy. And if we're tuned to that station, guess what? We will bless other people. And here is the tremendous good on the other hand. And this is absolutely amazing. And if you read through the Proverbs, we hear a lot of great things. Proverbs 12:18, The tongue of the wise promotes health. Ooh. I don't know so much physical health, but I know emotional health, which leads to physical health. Mental health which will lead to physical health. If we speak words of encouragement, truth, and love, we will promote health 
in those in our families, those closest to us, and those in our community. Proverbs 15.4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. It brings life, as the old Toby Mac song says. Speak life. Your words should speak life. And this is not just Proverbs, Old Testament, if you're thinking New Testament controlled by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4, because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We put away lying. We let no corrupt word proceed out of our mouth, but is what is good and necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the listener. What is grace? It's undeserved favor. And you might say, I'm not going to say anything anyone doesn't deserve. Well, you've got to argue with the Bible then. Because grace in our words, and Colossians speak this as well, speak in grace, seasoned by salt, Colossians chapter 4. Speak favor and edification, not cutting not perverse, not wicked, not joking about people, trying to elevate ourselves to feel better about ourselves, but thinking how we can bless and bring life to one another. Proverbs 25.11 A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. They might not taste very good, but they're worth a lot. (laughs) What a beautiful statement. I love anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Do you see the power of words? And for those who struggle with anxiety, it's real. And it can cause depression, and this is real, and sometimes it's medical, and it needs attention. And we pray for healing, but one of the things that we can do that that is very practical, it's in work clothes, and it's godly, is speaking a word, a good word, and it will make a heart glad. I can remember times in my life when one comment of encouragement or a word that built me up has changed so much of my behavior. I remember, I'll just give you a little example because I'm sure all of you, and you can think of them in your own life, but when I was just recent focusing on trying to care for my father in his illness, I would always ask God, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? What can I do better? And you kind of live in a world, right, like that. And and I think all of you have probably been there, like, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And I remember one time, a few of the leaders were meeting last year and we had a time of just praying and encouraging each other. And I remember Doug said, you're such an example and a witness of how you're caring for your father. Now think about that. I am struggling. Am I doing enough? I get a word of encouragement. Do you know when those lies came 
you're not enough, you're not doing enough. And you're busting your rear end to try to do what God wants you to do. You go back to a word of encouragement and edification spoken that I could grab onto and hold onto, which didn't let me spin into the endless mind games. What about you? I'm sure you all have experienced that. And the crazy thing is you have the power to do that for other people. A lot of times we say, well, I'm just not one to say it, but I think it. That's good. But there's something so powerful when we confess from what is in our heart to our mouth. It takes life. That's why when we baptize people, what do we say? Do you believe in, you know, Colleen was baptized. Did I say, okay, um, could you just like write it for me? Could you just nod your head? No, what do we say to people? Speak out your response. Do you believe? Yes. Well, that's scriptural, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we believe in our heart and what? Confess with my my mouth because I'm making reality from what is here, here it becomes more true and real to me as I stand on it, as I proclaim it. So much power. And we can bring life. And if we're going to turn down the volume on what is negative, (laughs) change the station. We need to turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit speaking love and encouragement to one another. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a culture in our church? Some preachers use the word ecosystem. It's kind of weird, but the idea that who we are Who we are is a body that speaks edification, truth, and love to one another. The sad thing is, most churches, it's the reverse. And as a pastor, you hear, well, someone said this about this, and someone said this about you, and someone said this about them, and and someone did this, and someone said that. And then all of a sudden, you're (laughs) trying to untangle broken hearts that are speaking destruction one to another. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, this can be a place, this can be a culture of mouths that speak God's truth, affirmation, and love to one another. And I'll tell you something, we'd probably have to lock the doors because it would be so full. Because people want to be in a place where God's word is being spoken and people speak one to another the way scripture challenges them to. Just on another note, I heard yesterday, and it's so true, that our words are a gateway to really get to know one another. Weeks ago, I thought of that proverb, I was actually meeting with George and 
He shared with me, you know, a man's gift makes room for himself. I always think, oh, my gifts. And, and George explained to me, well, you know, if you're just nice to people, it gives you favor with people. I was like, yeah, well, just think about your words with that. Think about that. If you honestly, lovingly encourage people, it will give you an opportunity to speak and hear them in a way that you won't have if you don't. It's true. People want to be heard. People want to be loved. And a lot of the times, it comes through the mouth. Amen? We have a world. (laughs) Here it is. That we can have influence for Christ on if we will speak even to them truth and edification that will lead opportunity to present Jesus Christ the word to them. Remembering COVID, not to get in that, there's so much negativity about the world did. And I would think to myself, how are we building bridges to share Christ in a world that we're always condemning and talking bad about? But if I speak edification and just simple favor, I will have opportunity to speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Just a little bit more since I'm feeling pretty good. Gifts of the Spirit. Do you ever go through those lists? And some of you are like, well, I don't know about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, if you're conservative or you're not, listen to me. The majority of the gifts come through the mouth. Think about that. Not all of them. I'm not saying that. The gift of faith. Well, maybe. It's because sometimes faith, if you're going to prophesy, you have to have faith and prophecies through the mouth. But let's think. Okay, even if I'm, I don't believe in the miraculous gift. That's okay. You know what? We'll talk about that later. You do or you don't. Teaching. Everyone agrees with that. Comes through words. We learn about God's word, whether the written word or the spoken word. Well, let's continue. Prophecy, words of wisdom, words of encouragement, tongues, interpretation. We're working through the list here in 1 Corinthians 14, and most of them involve the mouth. And when the Holy Spirit has control of our mouth, we can speak in his control in amazing ways to see him work and his gifts beyond ourselves to encourage and change people's lives. This is scripture. This is truth. And teaching doesn't always happen like this. Teaching happens in the coffee shop, in the living room, with our children, with our friends, where we use our mouth to speak what is right. Even prophecy. Well, if prophecy happened at church, which is simply speaking what God's word or the Holy Spirit showing me involves the mouth or the written word. And that happens 95% of the time, or it should, out of this place. <laughs> you know that? Sometimes we're looking for the gifts of spirit in church. How about we start looking for the gifts of the spirit outside of church? In our lives. Because each of you has the ability in one of these ways to speak life, speak healing, speak truth. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, tuned to the right station, that God can do amazing things. How did God create? Well, obviously, He's all powerful, but He spoke things into existence. When he comes, as I mentioned before, he's in all control. Jesus on that white horse is the word. John 1, he's the word. He is the word. Not only the written word, the spoken word, he is the word. We can never go wrong proclaiming out of our mouth the truth of Jesus Christ. Declaring this word here, out. I've been a part of conversations where I haven't gone anywhere, but simply speaking the truth of who Christ is and his word changes everything. Another reason to meditate to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit. What does it say? When you do not know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. We said that to the disciples when they're in front of court. Don't worry what you're going to have to say because He will give you the words when you need to speak them. Radio. Who are you tuned into today? Maybe we'll put it like this. I think this is maybe a better thing to close with. Who is tuning the radio? Is it your hand on the volume button? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Amy and I were talking again, just like sometimes... You know, in the moment of making mistakes with our mouth. Sometimes we can't be like, okay, I'm taking a five-minute break. I'm going to think about it. Which sometimes is really wise to watch our words. But it has to be a lifestyle in the moment of walking in obedience to the Spirit. Sometimes there's no timeouts in life where I can go take a walk. Sometimes my abiding with God then will flow out in the pressure-packed circumstance that he will speak life through me. Proverbs is pretty practical. (laughs) Amen? I don't think there should be anyone in this room who says this sermon wasn't for them. And if you do, you have perfect speech and read James 3. Because he does address that at the beginning as well. Mm -mm. (laughs) No. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. And the Proverbs, again, are meaningless unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit controlling us to do what they say. And so we ask you, 
make our lives different. Make us different. We ask for your forgiveness for how we failed, and we are so thankful for your grace. That whatever happened yesterday, last week, last year, as we believe in you, it is forgiven. And we have a new start today to speak life, to speak truth, to speak healing, to speak God's word, to be different. Just think, in confession, there's healing. And you would say to us again, look at, look at me, look at Jesus. Know who you are. And go be what I've called you to be. Go speak life, go speak edification, go speak as you've been given the gifts. So Lord, would you give us faith as well to proclaim when we're afraid what is right and true? Let's just pause. No comments, no words. Just let the Holy Spirit, maybe there's something else he's showing you, but just spend maybe a minute Thinking, confessing to God, hearing what He would say to you. One more little exercise before we take communion. I'd like you to think, however you process to your personality or meditate in your heart or think or ask the Holy Spirit, who in this room can you speak a word of encouragement to? Yes, this will involve a little faith. Could be your wife, could be a child, could be a friend. But I want to take you just a couple minutes to think about it, ask God. Who can I edify and bring in a, a word of encouragement to? I'm not going to have you do it right now, but I want you to ask. Maybe you... Have a gift of a word of wisdom, word of encouragement, maybe even a prophecy. Maybe a verse will pop into your mind. But think of that person and pray as God puts them on your mind as you think about it, as the Holy Spirit puts those thoughts in your head.
how could you encourage them? Maybe the Holy Spirit will put someone you don't even know. (laughs) Maybe someone you know well. Just be open in your heart and your mind to think and pray about it. Just hold on to that. We're going to take communion and celebrate Jesus, the Word. And then at the end of the service, what I just just find that individual, have faith. We're not looking for big emotional moments. Just a word of encouragement to them. I just encourage you, just find them before you leave or on the way home if they're in your car and speak that truth. Well, Lord, we celebrate you now, Jesus. You are good. Thank you so much for obeying the Father, loving us, dying for all our sins, all our crappy words. just give you praise this morning if you don't know jesus this morning he loves you so much he proclaims it in his word he died on the cross because you had a horrible debt because sin and we've all sinned in our life we've all failed we've all come short we all have a price to pay but that price was fulfilled by Jesus, who is God, who came to this world and he died for you in your place. He paid the price, the debt for your sin. He's forgiven you. And he offers you eternal life, an amazing help in this world, strength, forgiveness and love. But as we said today, you have to believe that. And you have to confess that. You have to receive that free gift. Exactly what you need to pay the debt. So you would be set free. So the guilt and the shame, all the junk, could be removed as you believe and receive. You could have joy. It doesn't mean your life will be perfect. But you'll have one, the creator of the world with you. He's forgiven you and he will walk with you. As we prepare to take communion, if you've never done that, Jesus would invite you and say, I love you. Would you receive my forgiveness? Would you repent and turn from thinking you can do it yourself in your sin and turn to my love and forgiveness that my Holy Spirit may come and live in you, that your eternal destination would be heaven and not hell. Praise God. You can do that in your seat and just after, just confess that to someone. I accepted the Lord. I want to get back on track. Maybe you, yeah, maybe you believed that as a child or and you faded away a bit. 
Jesus is always waiting. God, the perfect Father, to embrace you, to tell you you're forgiven, to walk with you. Martine and Tabitha are going to sing. The elements are in the back. How we do communion here is they sing quietly and respectfully. We just get those. There'll be some people at the back, some elders, leaders who would love to pray for you. Maybe you need prayer today for anything, for healing, for help. Maybe you want to confess. That's part of a family. We all have weeks where we need help. During communion, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you as well. Let's enjoy Jesus this morning. Let's worship Jesus. Let's remember who we are because of his work. Let's worship him together. for joining us for this message this morning if you'd like more information about northgate you can find us on the internet at northgateministry.com we'd love to hear from you and have a great week